Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to the Becker's Healthcare Podcast Series. I'm Erica Carbajal, an editor with Becker's Hospital Review. I'm excited today to be joined by Janelle Manser. She's the Principal Consultant for Medication Management and Safety with Joint Commission Resources. We're going to be discussing USP Chapter 797 and 800. So Janelle, thank you so much for hopping on, taking some time to chat with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Erica. I'm delighted to be able to present on this topic. Yeah, to, to, to start us off, can you just start by kind of giving us an overview of the focus of USP Chapter 797 and why it's important? Sure, Erica. Um, USP Chapter 797's focus is on sterile compounding of medications, both in the pharmacy settings and in patient care areas. And when we talk about sterile compounding, this is actually the mixing of a medication into a sterile IV fluid or some other sterile vehicle to create a sterile mixture that is delivered to the patient. And when compounding is performed outside the pharmacy, typically it's performed without the use of a laminar flow hood and in a clinical environment that is very different from the clean room environment that we typically see in the pharmacy. So because of that, 797 limits those admixtures made in this setting to be administered within a much shorter period of time. And there are other rules in 797 for admixtures compounded in the non-pharmacy setting. Um, which we call immediate use compounding. But I won't go over all those other rules, but um, they do include uh, you know, uh, limitations as to how many products can be in them and what types of products. Now, most of the sterile compounding that USP 797 directs is typically performed in the pharmacy in a compounding hood, which is placed either in a regulated clean room or in a non-regulated space. And if we do place a, a hood in a non-clean room setting, this then limits the time that from when that admixture is made as to when it can be administered. Now, 797 is important because the implications of performing sterile compounding correctly and competently have significant patient safety concerns. Now, throughout the 2000s, and certainly even before that, there have been a number of reports of patient deaths and harm due to compounding errors or contaminated product. And the most significant event occurred in 2012 when 753 patients in 20 states were diagnosed with a fungal infection after receiving contaminated injections of a steroid manufactured by the New England Compounding Center, and more than 100 patients died as a result. And that outbreak is considered the largest public health crisis ever caused by a contaminated pharmaceutical drug. Wow, Janelle, thanks for sharing that and kind of talking about the differences around um, when this is performed outside of the pharmacy setting and, and why it's so important in sharing those stats from 2012. So great to hear that this is something, these guidelines will obviously help prevent this, but can you talk more about whether hospitals are currently required to comply with this chapter and what has changed? 
they they are required um, to comply with the current 797 chapter. And I, I just want to say, um, you know, we, we keep saying USP 797, USP 800. USP stands for the United States Pharmacopeal Convention. And I just want to make sure that it's known that this is not a government organization. They're actually a private, not-for-profit organization that sets scientific standards for medication purity and now more recently um, provides regulatory requirements uh, on topics concerning medication preparation or medication safety. Um, USP does not enforce these regulations, but the USP 797 chapter is enforced by boards of pharmacy in just about every state in the United States, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and by the Joint Commission. So um, the current chapter is being surveyed uh, by these boards of pharmacy, by the Joint Commission during its deep surveys, and by uh, CMS uh, during um, surveys uh, for CMS funding. Now, what's changed with the new 797 uh, revision is really a, a you know a considerable amount. There's a, um, a it's some ex new requirements. It's really setting the bar higher for sterile compounding, in that um, there are requirements for more rigorous training, uh, primarily for those in the clean room setting in the pharmacy setting who are doing sterile compounding, more rigorous testing of the environment. And in return, uh, there's an allowance for some extended beyond use dating for the products that are made under the new regulatory chapter. Um, there are new requirements for immediate use compounding that allow some longer dating, but do require uh, the um, uh, a competency, a demonstration competency in order to even perform immediate use compounding. There are environmental requirements that have changed. There are also cleaning requirements that have changed. So it, it really is a step up from the, the current 2008 chapter that we're being surveyed to right now. And uh, there are a number of details within the new chapter that really need to be planned for. Yeah, Janelle, thanks for recapping some of the accrediting bodies that, that enforce the new chapter, as well as some of those key those key up, updates around more rigorous testing. Now that we've talked about Chapter 797, can you tell us about Chapter 800 and, and how this factors into our discussion? Yeah, it's an important question, Erica. USP 800 is a chapter that directs practices that protect the healthcare worker from exposure to hazardous drugs. And it really directs all types of processes relating to hazardous drugs from sterile compounding to non-sterile compounding, receiving of the medication into the organization, administration of the medication, transporting of the medication, and communications with staff to make sure that our staff are aware of the potential hazards of hazardous drugs and added training on hazardous drugs as well. Now, it's important to note that with the most, uh, with the publication of the most recent revision of USP 797 on November 1st, 
all the language relating to hazardous drug sterile compounding was removed from that version and is now found in USP 800. So what it will ask us to do is to look to USP 800 to talk about uh, the special requirements of sterile compounding of hazardous drugs. So with the release of the new USP 797 chapter, USP 800 now becomes enforceable. And I do wanna share that USP, the, the revised USP 797 actually becomes official November 1st of 2023 this year. And you know, since it was published November 1st, 2022, the, the USP has allowed a 12 month implementation period for hospitals. Thanks for recapping all that, Janelle. And it, just so I'm, I'm understanding right as well. So 800, would you say USP chapter 800 is more focused sort of just around, you know, you mentioned protecting healthcare workers from hazardous drugs around really anything related to healthcare workers handling these drugs? Yes, and it applies really to every, every setting where hazardous drugs and, and uh, employees come into contact. So, uh, so it's really quite expanded and it's really speaking to protections from hazardous drugs. So, you know, when we think about sterile compounding of hazardous drugs, we have to think about two aspects of that process. One, the safe and, um, you know, the safe and uh, sterile preparation of that product, but also the preparation of that product in a way that prevents us from being exposed to the hazardous drugs. The latter part is really the focus of USP 7.9 or USP 800, but the, uh, the sterile production of, of uh, a hazardous drug would be covered in the USP 797. So it's a little bit confusing. There's a, a lot of detail about the, the intermingling of these two um, chapters, uh, but uh, you, know, it, it, you have to kind of think about what the scope of 800 is, which is protecting workers from hazards. You know, and USP 797, the focus is really protecting patients from non-sterile, you know, or contaminated products. So both of those concepts are in play when we're compounding st sterile hazardous drugs. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank thanks for clarifying that. I know you mentioned obviously Joint Commission um, enforces these. So so what do we know about the Joint Commission's plans for surveying for these new requirements? The Joint Commission has shared that they will be revising several standards with most changes coming in the Medication Management Standard MM050107, which is where the details of compounding practice have been scored in the past. Now, we do know that the parts of USP 800 that pertain to sterile compounding of hazardous drugs will be part of the Joint Commission survey process, as will, the, of course, the new requirements within the revision of USP 797. But it should be noted that USP 800 also addresses other processes besides sterile compounding of hazardous medications. But the Joint Commission will survey 
to what is being called compendially applicable sections of USP 800, which are those sections of sterile compounding, which are now found in uh, USP 800. Uh, so specifically, only sterile compounding of hazardous drugs. Now the Joint Commission has also announced that it will survey to the quote must and quote shall requirements of the compendially applicable sections of USP 800. And I wanna differentiate that from the should requirements in the chapter. So you'll have to uh, really note when you're looking at the chapter, what requirements are preceded by must or shall as opposed to should, which, which is softer language and will not be surveyed by the Joint Commission. Now, what's also uh, been shared by the Joint Commission is that even though officially the chapter becomes live or official on November 1st, 2023, uh, it's been shared that the Joint Commission at this time uh, plans to survey to the new 797 and 800 requirements soon after the Joint Commission surveyor training takes place in January of 2024. So, it, you know, it, it, people should expect uh, to be compliant in January to this new chapter. And, and it's also, I think, important to remember that other bodies, other regulatory bodies, such as boards of pharmacy, might expect compliance as of November 1st, 2023. Yeah, some super helpful information there for hospitals around the dates that you shared um, and the must and shall differences there. So Janelle, as we wrap up, can you share any other recommendations for hospitals as they start to assess their compliance with these new requirements? Sure, um, I think first and foremost, and I just referred to it, it's really important to obtain copies of these chapters. Unfortunately, with this new release of 797, they're not available for free download. So you will have to purchase it either through a subscription or directly you know, with, through uh, the USP, but they're critically important to have. And it's important to read these to understand what changes need to be made in your organization to be in compliance. You know, as I just mentioned, focused on those must and shall requirements to know what will be the focus of the Joint Commission survey. But it's also important to understand your state requirements for compliance with both chapters. Um, there are environmental requirements in these new chapters, which were not part of the current 797 chapters, such as the requirement to store injectable cytotoxic agents in a negative pressure room. Um, hopefully you are aware or organizations, your pharmacy uh, team is aware of those environmental requirements because some of them do require some potential renovation of pharmacy or clean room space. And you know, there's not a whole lot of time left until compliance is expected. It seems like Every hot pharmacy I'm going into these days has got either a clean room being renovated, a clean room renovation being planned, or a clean room renovation um, just being completed. Uh, there are also requirements for added testing of the compounding area 
added competency assessments in the pharmacy, but also those who perform immediate use compounding outside the pharmacy. And there's also added requirements for the use of those glove boxes, which we call isolators that are not placed in a clean room space. Um, in the past with, a, with the current chapter of 797, some of those isolators, you would be allowed to use the full dating as if those, uh, the, the compounding was occurring in a clean room, that will no longer be the case with the new chapter. I recommend creating, you know, after you do kind of this gap analysis of where you are and what the new requirements are, create an action plan of what you need to do, including any revision of policies, um, revision of your dating practices, your beyond use dating um, limits, revised training and competency assessment, how you're planning, how you're going to do your environmental testing to be ready for implementation when your organization goes live. And I strongly recommend that you stay abreast of new information about the joint commission processes by attending educational sessions given by knowledgeable speakers. Uh, people who are familiar with um, the checklist that the Joint Commission makes available to its accredited organizations, it was actually created originally for the surveyors to use when they were actually surveying to USP 797, but the Joint Commission has actually put it on their extranet for all accredited organizations. That document will be revised and will be shared with all accredited organizations. I do want to add that the, the Joint Commission has stated that it will allow organizations to adopt the new chapters early, but it must be the entire chapter. You cannot pick and choose what aspects of the, house, of the chapter will be implemented. Um, and one exception to this is with the extended dating that is allowed for immediate use compounding uh, to uh, allow the use of an extended dating from the new chapter. This will require hospitals to implement um, just the competency assessment that is now part of the requirements but not the, the new chapter, but you are not allowed to go from a one hour to a four hour uh, beyond use dating for immediate use compounding without having some sort of a demonstration competency in place. So I, I hope this information it will be useful to the audience. Yeah, Janelle, we've really enjoyed having you on and thanks so much for sharing all of that need to know around these new requirements coming down the line. My pleasure, Eric. Absolutely helpful to hear it all broken down. And I'd also like to thank the Joint Commission, our resources, our podcast sponsor for today. And listeners, you can tune into more episodes of the Becker's podcast by visiting the podcast page on our website. Thanks, everyone.